You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Luke chapter 4 today, it is good to be with you. Thank you for the opportunity to preach. Let's read the first 13 verses. The Bible says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus again answering said unto him, It is said thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Here we find in this passage the very familiar text of the devil attacking Jesus. Now the preacher started a couple of weeks ago this new series on the DNA of the church and Boy, it's been good, hasn't it? It's really been good. If you missed, you missed a blessing. Now, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of weeks ago when this series began, he talked about uh, the DNA of our church being welcome people without judgment. That was the meat of the message that day is, is we need to welcome others into our church family, Gospelite, without any judgment. Amen? And, and hey, to be frank with you, I think we're good at that. I sent preacher a text that week. I said, hey, great message. I think this is a strength of our church. I I don't know about you, but I I feel like we have that kind of church. I really do. A very welcoming church. No, not, not, I don't feel a lot of judgment in here. Then he preached last week on love. Love without condition. Learning to love others as Jesus loves us. Now that one's a little harder, amen? To me, that one's, that one's a little tougher. I, I feel like I'm pretty good at the first one, but the second one, is a work in progress. And today, I want to, as we think about our our theme, our church DNA, boy, what it would be if we would be a church that would learn to overcome by having a spirit-filled life. Overcomers. Overcomers. I'm going to tell you, in, in my life, I'm 53 now, I've learned that this thing we call life is hard. Amen? One of the things we need to do for our our teenagers, our children, and and now I have two grandchildren, I I want them to know life is hard. And God teaches us that. 
Several verses in the Bible that even as a believer today, he reminds us life is complex, it's hard, it's a challenge. I'm not trying to depress you right off the bat, church, but it's tough. But, praise the Lord, if you're saved, you can make it. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for Jesus. We can be overcomers. Many verses in the Bible talk about how God expects us to overcome and and not to be overcome. Amen? So where are you at today? A good way to just start the message is, where are you today? Are you an overcomer today? Or are you being overcome? And to be frank with you, we kind of, if we're honest, we've kind of been both places. Amen? There's been times in my life I felt like I was an overcomer in Christ. I felt like I was on top side, man. Things were going good. I, I was spiritually strong. I, I felt like I'd spent enough time in prayer and in my Bible and, and walked with God. And, and then there are times when I've been overwhelmed and wondered if it was worth it and wondered if I could make it. Y'all been there? Well, I want you to know we, we have a formula in this passage of how you can more consistently be an overcomer in this life. Would to God that the DNA of gospel light would be, hey, that's, that's a crowd. They, they welcome without judgment, man. You can, you can go there and you'll feel welcome no matter race, creed, economic background. They welcome you. Hey, that's a crowd that loves you like preacher preached about last week unconditionally. Man, they just love you. They love you like Jesus loved you. And that's a church that overcomes. Man, they don't, they don't stay defeated. They may get defeated, but they don't stay there. And that's the key, isn't it? So where are you at today? And overcoming. And Are you overcomer today or are you overcome? And on, to be honest with you, church, while I really feel like those first two messages preacher preached about our strengths of our church, I'm concerned because I see God's people struggling today with this thing of being overcome. I see church members today struggling with depression. I see church members today, and I've been there, struggling with worry and doubt. I see God's people broken. I see God's people today wandering somewhat. God's people. And my prayer is, just like those times in my life when I've wondered and thought, God, where are you? And thought, God, why am I going through this? I want to encourage you to keep the faith and be an overcomer. Because I'm telling you, when you're an overcomer, it's going to help somebody else. Some of you today that have overcome trials and tragedies, some of you today that have overcome heartbreak, I want you to know it's made a difference in my life that you remain faithful that you made it, that you were an overcomer. Let me give you the the foundational thoughts today, first of all. Number one, temptation is a part of life. The devil here tempted Jesus. Very familiar passage we just read. Well, temptation is a part of life and is not a sin unless we yield to it. So temptation of itself is not a sin. It's just how we respond to the temptation 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Amen. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. But will with the temptation also make a way 
to escape that ye may be able to bear it. God tells us in his word, hey, it might be overwhelming at times, but we can bear it. We can overcome, church. We can win. And he said, it's, hey, nothing's going to tempt you that ain't been common to man. We all go through it, don't we? Everybody's tempted. I'm concerned today as I see our culture and our, our young people today have to face temptation that we never had to face. I, I think temptation's a lot stronger today than it was when I was growing up. With the internet, amen? With, with some of the attacks of the devil today, I, I think temptation's a lot tougher. Now, we had our own set of temptations growing up, but I, I, I pray for our teenagers. I pray for my children and, and my two grandchildren. God, help, help us to get this kind of stuff in them because, Lord, they're going to have to overcome some things. Let's just say it, amen? They're going to have to overcome some things. And if they don't have this spiritual foundation in their life, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard today. So what's number two? Number two is this. The devil is a relentless enemy and confident of his ability. Man, did you notice in that chapter how the devil kept coming? He was relentless. He, he tempted Jesus and said, hey, I know you're hungry. You hadn't eaten for 40 days. Hey, turn this stone into bread if you're hungry, Jesus. And Jesus rebuked him. Then he said, hey, I, I, I put you up on a high mountain. I'll give you everything, Jesus. And Jesus rebuked him. Then he put him up on the pinnacle. And Je hey, the devil was relentless, wasn't he? And I got news for you, church. If he'll come after Jesus, he'll come after us. Amen? He'll come after us. So how do we overcome? How do we overcome today? Well, I want to give you four things today on how you can be an overcomer in this society we live in, and it's not easy. I want you to know before I even get to the meat of the message, this stuff's hard. Have you all ever figured out that the Christian life's hard? Amen? I know a lot of preachers get up and talk about how, you know, how it's victory, and it is, but, but it's not easy. It's not easy. We, we have many Christians today are struggling because they're not willing to pay the price. Listen to me this morning. They're not willing to pay the cost that's involved with being an overcomer. And so they just settle. They just settle. But Jesus gives us the formula. He was prepared, number one. He was prepared <clears throat> for this confrontation with the devil. Jesus was prepared. Jesus, the Bible says in verse 1, being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I want you to know this morning as we think about overcoming temptation, hey, Jesus was prepared because he was full of the Holy Ghost. Amen, church? Hey, I'm talking about full. He was God, yes. But hey, he was also human flesh in this passage. He was 100% man. The Bible said he hadn't had anything to eat. In 40 days, so he was hungry. And the devil came in and tempted him. But Jesus was prepared because he was full of the Holy Spirit of God. One of the lessons I believe in this passage, one of the things I think God's trying to teach us, is that it takes a filling, a life that is consistently filled with the Holy Spirit to win. Jesus won this battle because before the devil came, before the devil attacked, before the devil tempted him, Jesus had spent time in meditation 
and in prayer. Hey, asking God for power. He had just received the Spirit of God without measure in chapter 3. And so in chapter 4, after receiving power and dedicating himself to 40 days in solitude with God, the devil came and the devil tempted, but Jesus won. Listen, church, it still takes a Spirit-filled life to be an overcomer. Spirit-filled life. We try to live any way we want to, do anything we want to. And the fact is, we're not living a spirit-filled life. Now, don't let that spook you. Amen? I grew up, uh, that spooked me. Filled with the Holy Ghost. I used to think that was just for Pentecostals. Amen? Let me tell you what spirit-filled is. Let me give you a quick couple of definitions. Number one, Spirit-filled, it's not in your notes. Spirit-filled, number one, happens when we get saved. Now, that's the first filling, amen? The Bible told Nicodemus, hey, you've got to be born of water and of spirit to be saved. So when we are become a child of God, the Bible says we are indwelled. He takes up residence in our life. It's not something floating around the air. Could I remind you today that if we're going to have a spirit-filled church, it's going to be because he's in your life, not in this room. Amen? See, we're going to leave this room. And I, I hope when we leave, there's not a spirit left in here. I hope it goes out with y'all. Amen? It's inside of you. The spirit of God that fills is inside of you and I. It happens when we get saved. He takes up residence. But then there's a second filling. There's a second filling. Preacher mentioned it just a little last week called sanctification. And that's the one that has measure to it. When Jesus was ordained, basically, when John the Baptist baptized him in chapter 3, the Bible says the Spirit of God came upon him like a dove and gave him full measure of the Holy Ghost. Full measure. And Jesus is God. He's got the Spirit, the Bible says, without measure. Amen? But in you and I, it's with measure. The fact is, everyone in this room probably has, kind of like faith, everyone in this room probably has a different level of a spirit-filled life. It's not all the same. It's all different. The question is, where are you at today? Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost. In this passage, he was anointed. That word, full of the Holy Ghost, again, it's not something spooky. It just means he was anointed. That word literally means anointed. Hey, he was touched by God. Hey, don't you need a touch from God today? Hey, don't you want God to touch your kids? Don't you want God to touch your grandkids? It's not scary. It's not something that's, that's extreme emotionalism. I'm telling you, I'm learning more and more that being filled with the Spirit of God is not about emotionalism. It's about living by a set of principles that we believe in. And as we do that, God says, I'll fill your life. I'll fill your spirit. Oh, the temptation was strong this day. Jesus was hungry, but that feeling that Jesus had, hey, helped him overcome. That touch from God helped him overcome. It was a strong temptation. Have y'all ever been tempted? Let's be honest, amen? Now, food tempts me, amen? Y'all get tempted by food. When you get older, it's like food is my tempter, amen? I'm like driving to Columbus, Mississippi the other day. <clears throat> going on a meeting and I'm like trying to eat better. I really am. I mean, I'm trying. I had that day I had a turkey. I'm trying. Who said that? 
I, I, come on, Mark. I, I'm trying. I had a, I had a turkey sandwich and a, and a bottle of water at Subway. And then I'm like, okay, what can I do for supper tonight? I'm like, I'm going to eat a salad. I'm going to eat a salad. Amen. And I'm, I'm coming into Columbus and a big billboard. Come on. A big billboard. Welcome to Harvey's, home of the marinated ribeye. Amen. And I mean, they made it look good. I mean, it was like a ribeye. And I've been to Harvey's many times. I mean, it was like a ribeye. Amen. And it had, it had garlic, it had garlic butter on it. God help us. And then there was a baked potato sitting beside it with, with butter in it. Amen. And a roll that had some butter on it or something. God help us. Y'all think I yielded to temptation? You better believe I did. Amen. Hey, by the way, all you health nuts out there, let me tell you something. I'd rather live to be 70 with a ribeye in my stomach than live to be 80 with lettuce. Amen. I thought I'd say that today. Let me just get that out of my system this morning. Amen. God help. When it's your time to go, you going. Health nut and all. Treadmill. P, P90X, it don't matter, carrot juice, you go. Okay, I'm just going to go with a ribeye in my stomach, amen. <laughs> Temptation was strong. Jesus was tempted. He was hungry. Forty days without food. The Bible said he was hungry. The devil said, turn this into bread. Hey, the devil knows where to attack us, don't he? He knew Jesus vulnerabilities there and you say well he was God yeah but he was man too he was hungry the devil knows where to attack you he knows where you're vulnerable and if you're going to overcome I think the lesson here the message here church it still takes a spirit filled life to win the Christian life we think we can live any way we want to and have victory in Christ it ain't going to happen Jesus applied spiritual disciplines this day. No doubt in that 40 days I wrote down, no doubt he spent time with the Father in prayer. No doubt we read that he spent time fasting, which is, which is done to draw into a deeper relationship with God. And by the way, fasting is not something you do publicly. You don't tell anybody about it. The Bible teaches us it's a different message that it's done privately. It's done between you and God. And the reason you do it is to draw into a deeper relationship with God. No doubt he had meditated. No doubt he had spent solitude with God. No doubt he had asked the Father to, to help him, to give him an, a, a fresh anointing. Sometimes we just need a fresh anointing. Amen? Jesus, I wonder sometimes as he made his way through Gethsemane, as he lived a sinless life and was tempted as we were, yet without sin, as he, as he made it through the mockery and the shame as he made it through being humiliated and he made it through the weight of my sin and your sin and he made it through Gethsemane sweating those drops of blood and yet he said, not thy will, but not my will, but thy will, God. I, I say, how did he do it? How did he get through with this? How did he suffer the separation from his own father who forsook him? And I'm reminded he did it because he was anointed. You want to get through your valleys? You need to be anointed. Amen? You need to be filled with God's Spirit. And you may be saved. Listen, 
You can be saved and not spirit-filled. You can be saved and not anointed. And you need it every day. Here's the fact. Hey, the fact is this. Listen, you're not always going to be full of the Spirit. Amen? You're not. That's not what I'm preaching here. We're not Jesus. We're not sinless. You're not going to always be filled. But the important thing is this, church. The important thing is that you know where you are. You know where you are and you know that you need filling every single day. Jesus was disciplined in this chapter. He was spiritually disciplined. Hey, prayer and meditation and and solitude with God. Hey, these are spiritual disciplines that we need in our life. These are not options. I'll tell you real quick. If you don't have an honest-to-goodness prayer life, you're not spirit-filled. Amen. If you don't have some solitude with God, it's going to be mighty hard to live a spirit-filled life. I want my children to know, and all praise the Lord, all four of my children are here this morning. Hallelujah. I want them to know that this thing of living a spirit-filled life is, is not some kind of emotionalism. It's very practical. It's applying spiritual disciplines to our life on a daily basis. It's growing in their relationship with Christ on a daily basis. And when you do fall, and when you do make mistakes, and you're going to because I do, and when you do fall and make, hey, and you're a bad example, it's repenting, it's asking God for forgiveness. Hey, it's applying spiritual disciplines. It's practical, but it's hard. Disciplines are hard, amen? It's not easy. But boy, don't we want our children to grow in their relationship with God? Well, I've seen too many cases where where kids kind of ride the coattails of a spiritual parent or grandparent. I'll never forget the James family in Pine Bluff, a huge family in our church. Man, they fill up two or three pews. But when Grandma James died, within six months, they were all gone. Man, I don't want that. I want my kids to have a strong enough relationship with Christ that if I turned my back, they'd keep serving Him. Amen? I want them to be overcomers. And they're going to have to be. I want our young people to know you're going to have to be an overcomer. If you're not, you're going to be overcome. You're only going to do it if you're spirit-filled, and you're only going to do it if you apply these disciplines. You see, being filled with the spirits like a like a car, a gas tank. Some of y'all are half full, amen? Some of y'all may be running on fumes. Why don't you ask God today for a fresh fill, amen? A, a, a fresh filling today. Let me tell you the difference. When God saves you, He dwells inside of you. But this thing of being filled with the Spirit is when it starts coming out of you. It's when it starts being exposed to others. A spirit-filled life is when others notice what Jesus is doing in your life. Oh, do people notice that? Do your kids notice your faith today? Do your grandchildren today know that you walk with God? God fill us today. How did Jesus win this battle this day? I'm going to tell you how he won it. He was prepared. Your notes under that are this. Number one, it takes a filling of the Spirit to overcome in this life. And the second point is this. I'll wait just a second there. Go back to that one just for a second. See people writing. It takes a filling of the Spirit to overcome in this life. And a filling of the Spirit 
is not emotionalism. That's a good thing to write. It's not, I'm not saying you can't be emotional, but it's not founded in emotionalism. It is founded in living by a set of principles in this book. And then number two is this. While salvation is simply responding to a call, being filled is more about applying spiritual discipline in our life. God, fill us today. Fill us today. Number two, how did Jesus do this? Well, he was filled with the Spirit of God. That's verse 1. Look at verse uh, 3 and 4. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command the stone be bread. And what did Jesus say? (coughs) Jesus said, Hey, it's written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. If you want to win, if you want to be an overcomer, you're going to have to be full of the Holy Ghost. Number two, you're going to have to be sanctified through the Word of God. Preacher mentioned that last week, sanctification. I just mentioned it. Sanctification, again, it's nothing scary. It's just a process of of God growing us. That's all it is. It's Christian growth. Are you growing today? Are you maturing today? The Bible uses the word perfected. It just means to be mature. I'm telling you, one of the reasons God's people today many times are defeated and down is we're not growing. God expects us to grow from the milk to the meat. And if you've been saved for any length of time and you're still struggling with the same battles and the same temptations and the same sin, hey, God wants to get you past that and mature you and perfect you, listen, church, so that you can be an overcomer. It's called sanctification. God, grow us. Don't you want more faith than you had last year? Don't you want more sustenance? Don't you want more stamina spiritually? God, grow us today. He sanctifies us through His Word. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, devil, but by every word. A couple of things in here that jump out at me on point number two. Jesus had just received the Spirit without measure. The Holy Ghost descended on Him like a dove. The Bible says He was beginning His earthly ministry. I mean, he was on a spiritual high, even as God. And I thought about this. Sometimes, and right after this, the devil attacked him. Sometimes after a spiritual high, the devil will get after you. Amen? Sometimes after a victory, he'll get after you to try to knock you back down. Amen? Hey, sometimes after an answered prayer, he'll make you think God ain't going to hear another prayer you have to offer. Sometimes after a spiritual win, he'll come and attack you. Jesus had a, hey, the dove of God descended on him. And the next thing we know, the devil's after him. Be careful. Be careful after a spiritual eye that a little pride don't set in. And you think you got this. We ain't got this. Amen. We need God every day. We need to be filled every day. And it happens by being sanctified through the word. Jesus had just reached a pinnacle in his life. I mean a pinnacle in his life. Yet the devil still tempted him. Even after great spiritual victories, we need to seek a fresh anointing. Jesus told the devil, even though he was hungry, listen church, even though he was hungry physically, he would not yield to this temptation of being hungry Because his desire to complete the Father's will was stronger than his physical hunger. And he would apply every 
Word of God to win this battle. His desire to know God deeper, the Father, his desire to complete his mission to Calvary was stronger than the physical hunger. How's your desire today for God? How's your desire today? I'm I'm convinced today that many of God's people today, listen, are not filled because they're not hungry. I'm convinced that many of God's people are not filled because they're not thirsty. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, listen, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. I'm telling you, you got to want this stuff, church. you got to be hungry for it. you got to be thirsty for it. You can't have a casual relationship with the God of the universe. It has to be intense and desirous and hungry and passionate If it starts subsiding, I'm telling you, you're going to be open to the attacks of the devil. You need a filling, and you need to hunger and thirst for it. Many are not filled because they're not hungry. Are you hungry today for God? Are you overwhelmed today? Maybe you just need a new hunger for the things of God, for a deeper relationship with God. Another thing Jesus said, I love this. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word of God. You want to know why another reason a lot of Christians struggle? Is we treat the word of God like a buffet. We pick and choose what we like in there. Amen? We we pick and choose what we want to apply to our life. We, We like, for God so loved the world. But I ain't too crazy about that one says love your enemies. Amen. I'm not going to apply that one to my life because I'm mad at them. We love that God forgave us of our sin. But I'm not too sure about that verse that says I'm supposed to forgive others. Hey, we love that God says God will bless us. But I'm not too sure about that verse that says a man asks you to walk a mile with him to walk too. I'm not too sure about that verse that says do the extra stuff. Go the extra mile. Hey, I'm not too sure about that verse that says I'm supposed to sell out to God. I I like the convenience of serving Him when I want to, but I'm supposed to sacrifice and take up my cross and and give my life to Christ. Hey, I'm telling you, church, if you really want a filling of God, you'll learn to live by every word, not part of it. Every word of God. Hey, you need to learn to like, you need to learn to apply the stuff you don't like. Amen? That's when God will grow you. That's when he'll work you. Jesus said, devil, I'll not do it because I'm going to be hungry for every word of God today. We pick and choose. We treat, treat the word of God like it's something we can take or leave. I say, hey, let's either believe it all or let's don't believe any of it. Amen. Let's either apply it. Hey, let's either go all out or let's don't go. Amen. I used to coach. And I'm not one of these modern day, everybody gets a trophy coach. Amen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not one of these guys. Well, we don't keep score. God help us. How are we going to compete in sports and not keep score? If you want to be in a, hey, if you want someone to coach your kid that don't keep score, you better hope I'm not their coach. I want to win. Amen. I want to keep score. Everybody's not going to get a trophy. Everybody's not going to get a trophy. It takes every word of God. 
This is not a book of situational ethics, church. This is a book of absolute truths. And they're not optional. We can't pick and choose what we want. We have to take it all or none of it. I'm going to tell you, you go to partially applying God's Word to your life, and it'll lead to partial commitment. And partial commitment always leads to failure for the believer. Many of God's people today are struggling. They're overwhelmed. They're falling by the wayside. Preachers falling by the wayside. We got to apply every word. It's the only way it works. Every word. Let me give you your notes. I don't think I gave you the notes. Jesus said we must be sanctified through the word number one. Sanctification only comes through applying the entire word of God to our lives. The entire word. Number two, there must be a hunger and a thirst to know God in a deeper way which is developed in the Word. He said, sanctify me through thy Word. Thy Word is truth. You want to be sanctified? Spend time in the Bible. It'll sanctify you. Amen? You don't read this book. It reads you. It'll sanctify you. Number three. Yeah, you're going to miss that first quarter, brother. I'm sorry. We're on number three, though. We're doing pretty good. Number three. Jesus... Number one, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Number two, he was sanctified through the Word. Number three, he was not deceived. He was not deceived. Look at verses five through seven. I love this. Jesus, hey, y'all are not getting this picture. Jesus in human flesh had not eaten for 40 days. Now, some of y'all get cantankerous when you don't eat for 40 minutes. Amen? Humanly speaking, he was probably not in the best of moods because that ain't a sin. Being in a bad mood's not a sin. It's just when you start being ugly to your husband that it becomes a sin. Amen? <clears throat> but Jesus was 40 days without food. It was a supernatural fast. Only Jesus, Moses, and Elijah ever did that. It was super. Hey, we're talking about a Savior here that was starving physically. But he wasn't deceived. He wasn't deceived. He didn't believe the devil's lies, did he? Look what he said in verse 5. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Hey, the devil's got power, amen? To show Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment? He's got power. Make no mistake about that. Verse 6. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give unto thee, and the glory of them... For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I will give it. If thou therefore will worship me, it shall be thine. Jesus said, hey, devil, see all these kingdoms? See all this power? See all this stuff? I'll show. Hey, I'll give it to you. But you know what? He was a liar. Amen? Hey, y'all know what? The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. One of the dangers of our culture today, hey, is that we'll believe the lies of the devil and not even realize it. The devil is a master deceiver. The Bible says in John chapters 8 through 10, he is a liar and a master deceiver. From creation, when he deceived Adam and Eve, hey, till 21st century Christianity, he's still the greatest deceiver of all times. And he's still playing it today. 
The question is this. Do you believe his lies today? You know what I have at times? Any of y'all ever believed the devil's lies? I have. He took Jesus on the mountain. He said, Jesus, all this power I'll give to you. That's a lie. The devil can't give Jesus no power. Amen? Jesus said, all power is mine. He said, hey, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. You're a liar. You know what some of y'all need to do today? Is say, get thee behind me, devil. You're a liar. The devil's telling y'all stuff, and you need to tell him he's a liar. Don't believe it. There's been times I've believed it. As a pastor, I'll be transparent. There's been times the devil's told me, hey, this valley you're in, boy, you ain't never going to get out of this valley. It's going to haunt you the rest of your life. This, this anxiety you're going through, this burden you're carrying, it's going to haunt you the rest of your life. What's God done for you? And I finally had to look at him one day and said, you a lie, devil, you a lie. Some of y'all need to do that. Devil's told me being a pastor is not an appreciate, it's an unappreciated call. People don't appreciate it. What are you doing spending time in prayer, times preparing a message? What are you doing spending time with a small group? People don't appreciate it. And I've had to look back at him and say, you're a liar. Some of y'all, the devil's telling you right now, things are not going to get better in your life. Why are you going to church? Things ain't going to get better. The devil's telling you today you're going to be in bondage to that temptation that's been haunting you and you can't overcome it. You need to tell him to get behind you and tell him he's a liar. He's telling you today, some of you young people, that it ain't worth serving God. It ain't worth living a life trying to grow spiritually in a relationship with Christ. The devil's telling you it ain't worth it. I'm telling you he's a liar. He's telling you today that living for yourself is a better way. Living for materialism is a better way. I'm telling you he's a liar. The devil's told me that it wouldn't get better. The devil's told me, hey, you're going to struggle financially your whole life. And sometimes I think, Lord, he told the truth on that one. Amen. But you know what? He's a lie. My son's here today, and I know my son won't mind me saying this, but the devil's told me many times, your son is not going to get better. Hey, I've got him where I want him. Hey, I'm going to destroy his life. But I'm telling you, church, he's a lie. My son's in church today. And he's on recovery. Hallelujah. I'm proud of you, son. The devil's a liar. Don't let him lie to you no more. He's a liar. He's deceived me many times, but he's a liar. Some of y'all need to just quit believing the lies of the devil and start believing the truths of this book again. Amen? Are you believing a lie today? Quit believing a lie. The devil's a liar. How are we going to be filled with the Spirit? How are we going to win today, preacher? I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to quit believing the lies of the devil. He's telling you it ain't going to get no better. You just tell him he's a liar. Jesus was not deceived. Your points under that are this. The devil has power, but does not have the ability to give power to anyone he wants to. He's a liar. Number two, quit believing the devil's lies. 
Lastly today, Jesus won the battle this day because he was filled with the Holy Ghost, because he was sanctified through God's Word, because he was not deceived. And lastly today, he won because he gave, number four, exclusive worship to the Father. Jesus said in verse 8, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And then in verse 12, Jesus said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Ultimately, listen church, and we'll be done. Ultimately, what the devil wants, he wants to be worshipped. Ultimately, what the devil wants is what's reserved, supposed to be reserved for God, and that's worship. You see, God reserves a few things for himself. Sunday, I know we live in a modern culture and everything's open on Sunday, and we eat all the time too, but I'm going to tell you something, whether we want to be, call it old-fashioned, what do you want, I still believe Sunday's the Lord's day. I still believe Sunday's God's day. That one he said is mine. A tithe. God said that's mine. God says you're not going to give a tithe. He don't even say give a tithe. He said bring the tithe. Because you bring, all you're doing is bringing him what's his. You ain't giving him nothing. You're just bringing it. You give above the tithe, then you're giving. That's a different message. I'm just teaching a little bit here. The end. God says that's mine. The tithe is mine. Sunday's mine. And worship is mine. Not going to share that with anybody. Not going to share it with your career. And we say, well, I've never worshipped the devil. Well, he's not just talking about someone bowing down to a satanic idol. What is it today that you give priority to over God? It can be money. In our culture today, it can be materialism. Hey, it can be good things. I know, I know Christian families that literally mom and dad worship their children. I'm not talking about a bowing down to like an idol. I'm talking about giving priority to their children over God. You got to be careful with this stuff, church. Worship is reserved for God only. Amen. In a multicultural society where a lot of things go, I'm telling you, worship is for God only. And when we figure that out, hey, It'll make a difference in whether or not we're living a spirit-filled life. Ultimately, the devil wants what Jesus has. That's why he got kicked out of heaven. And the devil can be very subtle. Let me give you the notes and we'll finish today. Under, under four. Ultimately, the devil wants to be worshipped and he has subtle ways to diminish a heart for God. And then some potential idols in our culture today. Number one is self. Be very careful. We live in a very selfish culture. Be very careful that you're not worshiping. Not even, don't even realize you're worshiping yourself. You're giving yourself priority over everything. Number two, materialism. Number three, careers. And number four, our children or even our family. Be very careful. Worship belongs to God. So what about the DNA of our church? Oh, that the DNA of our church would be that we are overcomers in this life 
because we've learned how to live a spirit-filled life. And how do you do that? You got to live by every word, amen. You got to quit believing the devil's lies. Hey, you got to quit believing them. You got to have faith. You got to pray. You got to apply spiritual disciplines every day. It's not easy. But we need people to step up and say, I'm committed to growing in my relationship with Jesus every single day so that he will keep you filled every day. What about you? Where are you at today? If you were honest today, would you say, my cup's full, my spirit is full? Or would you be honest and say, man, I'm empty, I'm broken? What about you? Maybe you're coming out of a spiritual victory. Hey, be careful. Be careful. That's when the devil... Maybe you're in the valley and broken today. Oh, I want you to know if you'll stay committed to this word and to these principles, if you'll stay committed to loving God and loving others, if you'll stay committed to growing in grace, God will fill you back up no matter how empty you are. Some of y'all say, you know what? I just need to be filled again. I want that enthusiasm and that excitement I had when I was first saved. God wants that every day for you. Maybe you just need a fresh anointing today. You ever need that? God wants to give it to you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Overcome. Are you going to be an overcomer? Or are you going to be overcome? What about you? Maybe some today will need to come down to this altar and say, God, I need to be filled again. Lord, I need a a fresh anointing, a fresh filling of the Spirit of God in my life because the devil's going to attack. The reason why Jesus overcame this temptation is because he was ready. He was prepared. He was filled with the Spirit of God. Maybe you would ask God, even though things are pretty good in my life, Lord, would you please fill me today because I know the attack's coming. Maybe some would say, God, help me to learn to live by every word and not just what I like. God, help me to grow in my relationship. Maybe some here and they're lost. If you're not sure about your salvation, come today. We will show you how you can be saved and the Spirit of God fill you for the first time. I'm going to pray. If God has dealt with you in any way, please don't waste this opportunity to spend time with Him at this altar. Let's stand. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the beautiful demonstration of our Savior overcoming physical temptation by relying on every word of God, by having faith, by being hungry and thirsty for you as Father. God, we need to apply these principles to our life today so that we can overcome and the world see what it looks like. Bless this invitation in Jesus' name.